The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on The Talking Point and we're going to uh, focus now on re- reflecting on, a private, on, on partnerships for land reform and these are partnerships between communities and private entities. Peter Sido is the chief executive of the Vumelani Advisory Fund and he joins us uh, for the conversation this morning. Peter, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Gideon. Good morning to your listeners. Of course, this becomes mm-hmm. an an interesting conversation because when we go, when we talk about the process of land reform in this country, it has been bedeviled by multiple challenges. Uh, you know, just from the onset of perhaps people being able to have access to certain land, and then there's the question of what happens uh, to those that opt for the land, and and you know, some of course choose uh, the 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 the, the monetary payouts, but how do we ensure that whatever land uh, has been um, put in the hands of communities is actually productive and is able to bring some kind of a sustainability and livelihood to communities? Let's talk about the work that you as Vumelani have been doing in this space. Thank you very much, Chetty. But just to begin with, one need to put things into perspective. Since the advent of democracy, in excess of 8 million hectares of land has been transferred to beneficiaries of land, land reform. While there are some pockets of success, a great number, in fact, majority of these farms, it will remain unproductive, which poses a threat to agricultural production, and it has also meant that people lost jobs in some of the restored land parcels. Now, failure in land reform is due to a variety of factors, chief amongst which uh, is, is really inadequate support to beneficiaries once they receive the land, and in particular, lack of access to finance and markets. Now, community-private partnerships really are a means through which we can intervene and make sure that land reform can work better for communities. It is imperative that this partnership between beneficiaries of land reform and the private sector form the cornerstone of any successful land reform project. Mm. In a, in a private community-private partnership, typically the beneficiary brings the, their land and labor while the private sector brings capital, skills, as well as access to markets to the partnership. Now, partnership with the private sector, that is the skills and access to market and the and finance is the most immediate way through which we can address this challenge because we are aware that government is actually beset with dealing with a whole host of challenges. There's a huge demand on the first cut. COVID has just demonstrated to us that we actually, this pot, this pot is not enough to cater for all the social ills and all the social challenges that we've got as a country. So partnership for us really is an immediate way through which we can address this. Peter, I want to go back just to some of the figures that um, you have spoken about. You talk about how 8 million hectares worth of land have been redistributed. Do we have, you know, credible figures on how much of this land was actually productive? Well, we, we, and that, that's part of the problem, Casey. I think we need to make sure that we improve on, firstly, the design of these programs and, and interventions. 
you know, so that we can do proper monitoring and evaluation to enhance a better understanding, including the lessons uh, that are required to really improve on this program. So currently, there's an estimate that anything between 60 and 70 percent of some of the of these projects is actually not uh, actually unproductive as we speak. Now we don't have any credible research at hand to actually back some of these figures. But by any stretch of imagination, any failure in land reform is reason for us to actually be worried because it means people have got have lost jobs. It means people cannot place a put of a plate of food on the table. It means really the process, this process which was meant to improve on the lives of our people is not achieving its intended purpose. Mm. Of course, the, the impact of it is, is quite devastating. I think, you know, it, it would be good for us to be able to look comparatively at what the state of some of um, this land was, including, you know, whether it's, it's farms for agricultural processes, etc. It would be interesting to, to know what state it was found in versus the state that it's currently in and some of the estimates that, that you're working off so that we're able to clearly identify what are the things in the system in terms of the processes of these transfers? What communities or even individuals do when they're able to access this land that leads to the failures? You're quite correct, Kevi. Um, it, it is important for us to do monitoring and evaluation so that we get a better sense, as I've said, you know. But in, in many instances, and in our experiences, Bumelan, has been that uh, because of poor or lack of effective post-settlement support, including the lack of key ingredients that are really required to run restored farms successfully, that's why we are having this kind of, this magnitude of failure. And our experience has actually shown that partnerships with the private sector has got multiple benefits. Firstly, they help to plug the skills gap and improve commercial viability of the business enterprises. Secondly, they improve the agricultural output and provide the beneficiary communities with a sustainable source of revenue. And lastly, they help to develop the rural economy and foster food security. Now, if you look at some of, uh, of, of the projects that we supported since 2012, we have to date facilitated just over 23 partnerships between land reform beneficiary communities and the private sector. By so doing, we have put approximately in excess of 70,000 hectares of land to productive use, you know, as a result of these deals that we've negotiated. And that's benefiting in excess of 20 beneficiaries. Mm. If you look in terms of investment amount, we are looking at well over 8, 8, 8 million um, uh, uh, 800 million that has been mobilized by way of, of private investment. So, if you look yeah. at further projects that we are currently supporting, which once concluded with attract in excess of 1 billion rent in investment. So, so, so if you look at the scale, it, it may look like a drop in an ocean. However, if we were to replicate this and if we were to just get a lot of buy-in, particularly from key players, especially government, we think we can really make a dent and, and achieve 
some of the targets that have been set out in the, in the, in the NDP. So, Peter, in terms of the models that an organization like yourselves follows when uh, facilitating these processes, you know, what, what do the partnerships entail? And uh, are they, you know, what are some of the concessions that are made as part of these contracts? Because often, uh, you know, communities would want to retain 100% control uh, over uh, the land on which work is being done. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, what's in it for the private sector in the long run in terms of investing uh, in in these projects. Well, as, I, as I've indicated earlier on, at a point when government actually gives the land back to our people, they've got the land, they've got labor, i.e. people are around, there are people out there who can actually work the land. But the challenge is they don't always have capital to turn around those farms, to work the land. They don't always have the requisite skills to actually work the land. Even if they were to work the land, access to markets, we know that it's a challenge because for the market to be, have, to be able to have access to the market, there are certain uh, prescripts that one really has got to be. Now, bringing these private parties who've got the requisite skills would actually help it becomes a win-win situation for the for 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 the community as well as the the the, the, the private investors. If you like, the these partnerships actually provide a bridge to the future because otherwise one would have expected government to fund everything. Now we know that government cannot fund everything unless we do things differently. We will continue to see what is happening on the ground. But one of the most important things or lessons that we've learned in facilitating these partnerships is that you need independent transaction advisors in the mix. You cannot leave communities on their own to negotiate with the private investors. Private investors can afford specialists, they can afford people who can really assist them. That is why you need independent transaction advisors who are specialized, who can literally make sure that, that this contract and partnerships are based on commercially sustainable activities. The issue that you've just mentioned around risk, I mean, it's one thing to say a community must get 50% or even 100%, but in reality, what does that mean? You know that uh, in business, if you take that, if you take 50% or even 100%, it means even the risk needs to be carefully allocated. I think it's grossly unfair to allocate the risk to communities under circumstances where they do not understand those risks and are not capable to deal with those risks. And most importantly, the benefits. The benefits must be clearly defined to avoid any future, you know, infightings or fights with or amongst the community itself or with the this investor. You know, the agreements have got to be legally secure. There is no one size fits all. It would depend from one project to the next. In some of the projects, you would actually have a long-term lease where the community would be getting lease fees and they will also be getting equity in, in, in the business. But as I've said, it's not a one-size-fits-all. And mm. it's for that reason that you need independent transaction advisors who so, stand to benefit yeah. nothing from this agreement.
So, so Peter, if I'm understanding you correctly, then the, the the funding and the support that you're talking about, does it come in the form of loans? Does it come in the form of concessionary grants? You know, is it, you know, are, are there hybrid funding models? Just to give me a, a, a better picture of, of what you have worked uh, with o- over the last uh, 10 years that you've been operating in this space. Yeah. What what really happens is, uh, as I've said, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Typically, when the investor come on board, it will be the responsibility of the of the investor to mobilize finance from the formal financial sector players. You know, um, so for the community, all that the community would be bringing into the equation would be the lens, as it were. I mean, I can give you some of the examples of the partnerships that we've actually. Uh, uh, Supported. An example would be one CPA in, in the Limpopo area, where the community, working together with the private sector, has been able to create employment for communities through the land acquired through the land reform project. Uh, another one is the Ebenezer CPA partnerships with one specific investor group. You know, this right. is one one of the large land links to be settled in South Africa, where approximately in excess of eighteen thousand hectares of land near Friedendal in the Western Cape was actually restored. This partnership has opened up spot opportunities for the local community, creating op- employment com- opportunities for the for the members and a, a source of income for the beneficiaries. You know. All right. Through this partnership, they've secured a deal, as an example, to export pumpkins to the Netherlands market, something that they would not have had. And I mean, if you were to leave them on their own, they would not be able to access this market. I'm just demonstrating some of the some of the examples. All right, and the Peter, partnership has um, also enabled the community sorry, to produce so, chess crops. Yeah, Peter, I'm sorry. I'm going to I'm going to pause you there. Unfortunately, we're quickly running out of time for this conversation. I'd I'd also uh, like to get some callers uh, in to be part of it. I'm also going to ask our callers, please, if you can try and keep it as short for me as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon, okay. you're calling us from KZN. Good morning. Good morning, Katie. Good yes. morning, Katie. I would, I would like to put a, to add an input on this uh, land issue. Mm. I want to ask the same guy, which land that government brought and gave it to people and at the end lying fellow? Why they don't advertise each and every day? There is a land in a certain area. We need people who are called sectors who can work the land. Why they don't create a database where we can register those people who called sectors? They put everything under the carpet, Katie, mm-hmm. at the end they said the land is lying. Which area where the land is lying? Why they don't keep on advertising each and every day? All we right. need uh, so many people that they can, they, can, they, can, they can work the land. We got the uh, students who are well educated on agriculture, but they are sitting at home. And plus that uh, NYTA does not help anyone. Mm. All right. We All right get, they don't get fund. Thank you. Thank All you, right. Katie. Thanks for calling in. Mzi in Eastern Cape, good morning. Hello, Mzi. I am, as I speak, I'm a small-scale farmer. Mm. We are struggling, my sister. I mean, for three years, I've been asking them, my local uh, office, to provide the sector. The sectors are there, mm-hmm. five of them, to fix them in Teddy. They cannot do that. The simplest job. I've done this to fence this land, put water in my pocket, now I'm struggling with a tractor. We said, not buying a new tractor. The tractors are there. It took them, I don't know, this is the third year, 
to fix one sector and give to me. Mm. You, we talk about the land. Go to Kwanzambe, go to Kwapikoli, go to Kandwayana, go to Eglemo. Those uh, 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 schemes during the time of service were working. They are not working because we don't have finance. But uh, fortunately for me, I've got 10 hectares, but I'm struggling. And MZ, tell me, have you considered a, a private partnership where you bring in uh, private investors? Have you tried we, to source that kind of support? We've been doing that even yesterday. The, fortunate for us, there are kids around us. They are looking for, but they, they don't want to invest their money into us. We, even yesterday, we've got the, 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 we, we are trying to pull them to come. Mm. But they are reluctant to, to, to do that. And what reason are they giving? Uh, politics. One of them. Okay. Yes. All right. All right, Mzi. Thanks for calling in and sharing that experience. Cyril in Cockstart, good morning. Good morning, Katie. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, 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 we must appreciate under the Minister Talkative, these are all these uh, uh, projects he's coming up. When I listen properly to this year, this is partnership between communities and private. Uh, private, private. I would take them, it would be farmers that are established already that know and know how to have the land. And perhaps also will be going to be a great help from the financial side because communities find it very hard to get to the banks to get loans. That we appreciate. Now comes the agreement, the partnership agreement, mm. that uh, uh, who's going to draw that up is... Government going to be part of the drawing up? Uh, uh, that's one question. But also we need Katie because government has done an audit on land already. So that we can get the, 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 the area of these dormant lands and arable land mm-hmm. and see which are the lands that this partnership will go in. Lastly, when these agreements are getting signed, what about the outstanding restoration land claims? Because when that hits, what happens then? That, that, that we can't run away. Uh, what language must I ask? Because we need to, somebody to answer that. There's a restitution act that's outstanding, that, that's there. There's land claims of understanding. And you know what I'm talking about. And I appreciate we had a talk of the on the radio that she says she's coming to Cossage. We might appre- I, I would appreciate if Radio SCFM will attend this right. uh, meeting with Papa Didi. All right. Are those questions stand there? Can somebody answer them? All right. All right, Cyril. What? Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for those questions, uh, Peter. I'll give you a chance just to respond to what uh, you can, and if you can keep it as brief for me as possible, please. All right. Thanks, Kathy. Um, there was a question which was raised about where are these areas of land that's available so that people can take advantage of. And, and, and I think one needs to highlight the fact that there's a difference between restitution and redistribution. These are two different programs. As Dumelana, we tend to largely focus on restitution in Israel and is looking at people who have been dispossessed who are claiming their land back. Now, in terms of redistribution, obviously this is a government function. There are those processes. However, there are, there are, there are challenges which only government can actually address. And, and, and I must say, we share the frustration that the caller has actually raised. However, this is not an area that we are really working on per se. However, to the extent that we can help with fostering partnerships, we are more than available to actually assist if possible. 
The second question related to broadly access to finance. Access to finance is a broader issue for the South, for, for, for us as South Africans, particularly for land reform. You know, we need to work together as all stakeholders to make sure that we can develop innovative ways of actually accessing finance. And we are seeing building this partnership is the immediate way whilst we are dealing with the broader issues. All right. You know? Let me thank you so much for your time this morning, Peter Sito, who is the chief executive of the Vumelana Advisory Fund. Uh, And certainly, you know, there's been some success in these... can I, I don't know if I can call them public-private partnerships because they're not really a partnership between the state, but you know, you know, partnerships with communities and the private sector that have yielded positive results. And and certainly, uh, there is there are these challenges of accessing finances. But what Peter said there is very important that people must fully know and fully understand the nature of the contracts that they're entering into, the nature of the concessions that are being made, because often that is what creates difficulties going into the future. We'll leave it there uh, for that particular conversation. And uh, up next, we're going to be in conversation with Dr. Stavros Stavros, uh, Nikolaou, who is the chairperson of the pharmaceutical task team.